Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Champions of Inspiration. Uh, we're going to have a great friend of mine on uh, today to share a story that, quite frankly, he was given a death sentence. But you'll tell because he's here. He's not dead. He's alive and kicking. He's the um, Vice President of University Advancement for Life University in Marietta, Georgia. Uh, accomplished author, professional speaker, certified professional development and executive coach, uh, and just an all-around good guy. Dr. Gilles Lamarche, thanks for joining us here on Champions of Inspiration. Thank you, Scott. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's been way too long since we've connected, so I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and, and to share a message, a message of hope and inspiration with your audience. Exactly. So, uh, long-time chiropractor, you were in practice for 25 years? That's correct, yes. And I think you said one time 750,000 adjustments over that period of time. Is that correct? 750,000 plus office visits. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Like wow. separate office visits. Yes. <laughs> it was a busy practice. That's absolutely amazing from that side. And so I've learned so much about chiropractic and the body from you and, and just uh, in life. But now, when you had that 25 year practice, then all of a sudden, you were given a diagnosis that was uh, not exactly what you wanted to hear, correct? That is, that's absolutely correct. I was given a, uh, a terminal diagnosis, which means you're going to die. And it was, it was pretty interesting because I had lived, you know, most of my life, I discovered chiropractic, first of all, at the age of, at the age of 12, and then went into practice and had, like I said, a, a thriving practice for 25 beautiful years, had a great time, you know, literally every day. I, I would tell my children, daddy's never been to work a day in his life. I just went and I served people and had a great time doing it. And, and I taught them the principles that chiropractic is developed on, which are pretty simple. We say that all organic systems in the universe are conscious, self-developing, self-maintaining, uh, self-healing, provided there's no interference. And so, you know, people talk about chiropractors, if they've been or not been, and, you know, the level of education that people may have or understand about chiropractic is different for everybody because if they haven't been educated, they don't really know. And most people will tell you, well, you know, chiropractors, what are they for? Well, back pain and neck pain. And I said, well, yeah, it's true that we help people with that. But the reality what chiropractors are masters at is discovering whether or not there's interference in the communication between your brain and your body and your body and your brain. So we're basically nervous system specialists is what we do. And when you get to understand how the nervous system works, you get to realize that the nervous system controls absolutely every single function in your body. So your nervous system is not like an electrical system. Your nervous system is an electrical system. Messages come from your brain. They go to your heart, tells your heart to beat at a certain level. The message comes back. Hey, your, bar your heart's beating great. It keeps it going that way. And it's a reciprocal cycle of information that goes to all organ systems and back up. I mean, your brain tells your body, you know, what enzymes to release when you eat a protein compared to the enzymes to release if you've eaten, you know, sugars. So that information system needs to be free of interference. And really what was the discovery of chiropractic was that there can be interference between brain to body connection in the spine. So we're not going to get into the anatomy and the physiology of neurological function and how the spine functions today, but that's really what I taught my patients. And when people get it, they recognize that 
chiropractic can become part of your lifestyle. So, and I'm relating that because I chose, you know, chiropractic, I discovered chiropractic around the age of 12. And when I experienced the benefits, I chose to be what I call a regular chiropractic patient for the rest of my life. That was a choice that I made. And on that day in uh, the spring of 2003, when I started having, I mean, I'd been having major trouble breathing for a number of months, but on that famous day, uh, one of my assistants pulled me aside and she had tears in her eyes and she said, I'm so afraid you're gonna die in front of me. And you know, I was, I was 48 wow. years old. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, listen to yourself, breathe. You sound terrible. And she said, I don't want to be disrespectful, Dr. LaMarche, but you look terrible. Like you've aged 10 years in the past six months. There must be something seriously wrong with you. And I was like, no, 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 I'm okay. Uh, I'm trying to figure out what I'm allergic to. So I knew in advance I'm allergic to cats and dogs. And I was having that sensation as if there was always a cat around me, which is like this deep pressure in my chest and this sort of this wheezing, this difficulty to breathe. Well, as most women are, she was much smaller than, much smarter than I. And so she called one of my buddies who's a medical doctor. And she told me, you know, you gotta get Jill into your office because there's something wrong with him and I'm really concerned. So my buddy understanding the paradigm that I lived in, because, you know, I never took drugs, never thought surgeries was the answer to anything. And, right. and I lived my life from a basis of, you know, make wise decisions, you know, eat well, drink plenty of water, avoid, you know, alcohol and all the other stuff that's not good for you and follow a great chiropractor and make sure that your nervous system is in good health and in a crisis and need be, well, then medicine second, and if necessary, then surgery. So I'm never anti that, but I really follow the protocols of chiropractic first for my life, medicine second and surgery last. And so my buddy, Barry, you know, I mean, we're good friends. So he knew how I thought and what my philosophy of health and healing was. So he called me that night and he said, it was very brief. And it's back in the day when we still had phones on the wall. <laughs> I remember I was just coming out of my, uh, one of the rooms and the phone rang. So I grabbed the phone and he said, hey, it's Barry. He said, if I had made a promise to someone and you were the only person on the planet who could help me fulfill my promise, would you do whatever it takes to help me? Well, Scott, you know me. I said, yeah. well, of course I will. That's what friends Absolutely. do. And he said, great. I'll see you tomorrow in my office at four o'clock. And he hung up. He knew I didn't see patients on Tuesday. This was a Monday night. So he knew I'd be available at four o'clock on Tuesday. So I ended up in his office and I'll make this story much shorter, but I got diagnosed after multiple tests through his office and then multiple referrals to respirologists, uh, pulmonologists, uh, cardiologists, multiple cardiologists. They all came up with the same diagnosis. And the primary diagnosis was a condition called pulmonary hypertension primary pulmonary hypertension. The secondary diagnosis was cardiomegaly, which means an expanded heart. So primary pulmonary hypertension, the cause is unknown. What it basically is, is this back pressure from your lungs into your right ventricle, into the right side of your heart, and making it very difficult for the heart to pump enough blood to get oxygenated you know, through your lungs to remove the CO2, et cetera. So there's a back pressure. And the normal back pressure equivalent to water running unimpeded in a tube is 15 millimeters mercury of pressure. The measurement they did on me multiple times was 57. Wow. Which means that the back pressure from my lungs into my heart 
was four times greater than normal. So the body, the human body is this amazing system and it adapted to that. What did it, how did it adapt? It made my heart grow bigger. So wow. if, you know, if we were in the gym pumping iron like you and I used to do at the Four Seasons in Dallas, that's right. right. The more iron you pump, the bigger the muscle gets, the stronger the muscle gets. Well, your heart is a muscle. So when that back pressure kept pushing, my body with its innate intelligence, innate wisdom, caused my heart to grow. It grew to two and a half times its normal size to the point where there was no more room for it to grow inside of my thorax. And that's when my symptoms started, which means that the problem probably started five, 10, maybe 15 years before. We don't wow. know. There's no way of measuring that. So um, I went through all the testing procedures from my little tiny town in Northern Ontario to the regional cardiologist, then to the big city cardiologist, et cetera. And they all told me the same thing. If you do not agree to a double lung and heart transplant, you will be dead in 24 months or less. And I was like, whoa, that's like, sounds like pretty serious. So I did a lot of research on the condition. I knew a little bit about the condition, but I'm not a cardiologist, I'm a chiropractor. So I understood it, but I didn't really, you know, I never read the research on it, et cetera. Certainly. So I decided to do that. So I researched the condition and then I researched uh, double lung and heart transplant recipients. And I came to the conscious decision that I wasn't gonna do that because the quality of life that I would get to enjoy with a double lung and heart transplant was minimal. Yeah, I would live a little bit longer. They said probably five years with a double lung and heart transplant, two years if you do nothing. I was like, an extra three years to go through all that trauma, maybe walk around with an oxygen tank at, at a young age, all this medication, all, just the surgery, the whole blah, blah, blah of all that. And I, I prayed about it, you know? And uh, then I had a conversation with uh, my children and I said, what I'm really being led to do is to just to transition. You know, I've had a beautiful life. I've been blessed with a great life, great parents, great family, great children. You know, I mean, I've just had a great life and dad just doesn't want to do that. And it was interesting because all three of my children pretty simultaneously said, okay, we will respect your decision. And of course, if you die, we're going to miss you, but we're going to respect your decision. We'll support you. And wow. so I knew in that moment, when, I, when they told me that, I was making the right decision. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. What great support from them, for sure. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. So I did everything I needed to do to, um, I say, hand over my baby in a good way. And my baby being my chiropractic practice. You know, I've been in practice for 25 years. I had so many people that I loved that loved me. I just didn't want to pick up and go. So temporarily for a number of months, I succumbed to the half hourly use of Ventolin. I was using an inhaler like every 30 minutes. Wow. I can tell you it's a powerful drug and I felt terrible, but it would allow me to breathe long enough to take care of the next group of patients in my practice while I searched to have someone take over my practice. Two young docs, um, who became husband and wife, who are still husband and wife, still the doctors in that practice in Timmins, Ontario, uh, took over my practice. And so I officially retired and went home to prepare myself to die on the 14th of April in 2004. And I say prepared to die because when you know you're going to die, you do things that are different than someone who doesn't know they're going to die. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, we all know we're going to die someday. 
But now I knew that my time was limited. Without putting Ventolin, I could barely go up a flight of stairs. I couldn't walk 100 feet unaided. I was in trouble and I was constantly, constantly gasping for air as if I'd finished a 26 mile marathon. And the reality is that I was just trying to walk. And so I, um, I started, you know, I prepared my, I prepared my finances. I prepared my funeral. I chose the songs I wanted to sing. And I basically said to the kids, you know, I, I know it's normal to grieve and people are going to cry. I get that. But what I really, really want is for you guys to set the stage for a party instead. Have a party because your dad came. He's grateful that he came. He had a great time. He served a lot of people. He loved a lot of people. They loved him back. And I set aside an amount of money for them to have like a huge party. And that's sort of how I want to remember. I wanted them to remember me like he came, he served, he had a great time and he did a great job. And now yep, let, let's celebrate that for sure. Exactly. So let's celebrate that. So I was doing that every morning when I woke up, I would do that. Um, and then on the 15th of May, 31 days later, I woke up. And I won't say the words that came into my head because they're not nice words. I wouldn't repeat them in a public audience. But I was like, you're a beep, beep idiot. You've been preaching this chiropractic paradigm of health and healing for 25 years. There must be something seriously wrong with your spine and nervous system. Well, as a chiropractor, you say, loser, how could there be? So the next question in my head was, well, how could there be something wrong with my spine and nervous system? After all, I get checked by a chiropractor every couple of weeks. And then the third thought is what snapped me into different mode of thinking, never by the same chiropractor, just yeah. buddies, just buddies. We'd go out, we'd have lunch together. I'd say, hey, you want to come to my office? You go to your office, we can check each other. And so nobody really understand, understood rather the functionality of my spine and nervous system. I discovered in that thought process during those minutes that I hadn't had a thorough chiropractic exam in probably 25 or 30 years. Um, and I hadn't had an x-ray in my spine for probably at least that long, et cetera. Been a long, long time since I'd been under quality care. And then I brought myself to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, I've been receiving like below substandard care. And I've been delivering what I believe to be very high standard care. So I was giving high standard care to the people that came to see me. And I was receiving very low level care. So all the noise, when all the noise died down in my head, I called my former office manager and said, uh, Janet, I'm calling to make an appointment as a new patient. She started to laugh. We were high school friends. And she said, well, you've been a patient since you're like 12. Like, why don't you just come in and get checked and adjusted? I was like, no, you don't understand. I said, where am I a practice member? And then the phone got totally quiet. She was like, oh my gosh, you're nowhere. I said, exactly. I said, you've been receiving high quality care like the rest of the team in our practice. I've been receiving low quality care through no fault of anybody but myself. Had right. no, it wasn't to blame a colleague because I would go to whatever colleagues whenever we're hanging out together. But I was never like in an office setting under regular care during regular office visits when the doctor's intentionality is there, when his or her mind is focused on delivering good quality care to their patients, et cetera. So I got an appointment as a new patient. And uh, went in the next day to have a thorough examination and consultation and um, after x-rays and testing, et cetera, discovered that the upper part of my spine, so from C7, which is that bump that you feel when you run down the back of your head, the bottom of your neck, from C7 to T4, my spine in that area is a complete mess. 
And, and our thought process around it, you know, years later is that it was probably micro trauma. I had a very, very large practice. Uh, I'm not that big of a guy. I worked in a very blue collar community, probably 25 to 30% of my patients were big, strong men that worked underground in a mine or worked in a, in a lumber field, cutting down trees. You know, they were big, strong men. Right. And I think that I micro traumatized my spine a little bit at a time. And I was by all intents and purposes, as it relates to the musculoskeletal system, asymptomatic. What does that mean to the audience? I had no pain in my neck, I had no pain in my back. I literally had no pain anywhere, but I was dying. And it just so happens that when you look at the nervous system, the nerve roots that bring the energy to the heart and lungs exit your spine, like exit my spine from T1 to T4. That's where those wires come from. Those branches of, of the nervous system come from. And that's what brings the energy to the heart and lungs. So I started getting adjusted every day. So some people say every day, that's a lot. Well, when these two young chiropractors were having a conversation with me, they, at first it was like, well, do you think it might help you? I was like, oh, I'm sure it'll help me. Will it keep me alive for you know, the rest of my life? I don't know, but I'd like to, you know, I'd like you to start. And then she said, well, I'm not sure if we can help you. I said, well, would you allow me, let's turn the table for a second. Let's pretend that the x-rays there are you. And with my 25 years experience, let me tell you what I would tell you. Could we, do, would you be okay with that? After all, it was their practice. I wanted to respect them, right? Right. And, and I remember her saying, shit, of course I would. You've got so much more experience than we do. So I, I described what I would do for that person. And I said, I would start by getting them checked and adjusted every day, five days a week. You're open five days. I would say, come into the office five days. We're going to check you, adjust you when necessary. And we'll take it from there. And she said, well, for how long? Every day for how long? <laughs> and I laugh about it today, that many years later, because it still comes true, because it's what came up from my mouth. I said, well, until I die or until I thrive, I don't have a lot of other options. Yeah. And everybody had given up with me because I didn't want to have a transplant. The doctors basically said, if you don't want to have a double lung heart transplant, there's nothing we can do for you. And so I'd walked away. Well, I, th I think it's I think it's so amazing. I mean, I learned from you and, and from so many others being around you, you know, that the only thing that heals the body is the power that built the body. Exactly. And, and if if we can communicate that message out to people to get them to understand and it's not hard. I mean, you, you obviously were uh, and still are to this day, a fabulous adjuster and tremendous chiropractor from that side. But in doing that, those adjustments somewhat took a toll on you. But then you, you, how many times do we not think about ourselves, you know, and, and enact our, our own uh, fixes into our businesses or whatever, not just chiropractic. But if we understand that the only thing that heals the body is the power that built the body, and then to go after that, I mean, I love your attitude about it. It's, yeah, we're going to get adjusted every day until either I thrive or I die. One of the two. Exactly. <laughs> what are my choices? You know, I don't, I don't like one of those choices, by the way, right? Yeah, you know, I, and I was okay with either choice, right? Because I, because I had already brought myself, and I, and it's important for people to understand too. You know, they say when you're given a terminal diagnosis, some people go into anger, they go into denial. I didn't go into any of that. I literally went into gratitude. I was like, you know what? God has blessed me with like this amazing life, and if it ends at 49, then it ends at 49. It is what it is, and I was totally accepting of all that. But when I saw the potential, I was like, 
oh, wow, man, maybe I can be around a little bit longer and have see my kids, you know, finish college. My three kids were in college at the time. See them college, finish college, maybe get married, have babies, whatever. All of which I've been able to enjoy. Thank you, God. Um, so I started under care. And by the end of August, so this was, um, I, I had the discovery in my, in my wake up on the 15th. I got my, uh, my exam on the 16th, I believe. And then my first adjustment was on the 17th of May. By the end of August, my pulmonary pressure dropped from 57 millimeter mercury of pressure to 27. Wow. That's like a, That's little, a little better than 50% improvement. And I was noticing that I had an easier time, you know, going upstairs. I had an easier time walking from the house to my car. And so I started, you know, going for a little walk and coming back and going for a little longer walk the next day. But everything was showing improvement. And I had a um, cardiology visit. And the cardiologist, when they did my uh, echocardiogram, he was like, we must have made an error in our diagnosis. You're not supposed to be getting better. You're supposed to be getting worse. And so we had a very long conversation and I had the opportunity to educate him with what I had been doing and really to share with him the chiropractic paradigm of health and healing. Sure. This guy was a big wig, Scott. He was like a 30 year medical doctor, cardiologist, been teaching at the University of Toronto Medical School, super smart guy had never even heard of what I was sharing with him. Wow. What do you think chiropractors do? He said, I don't know. They help people with neck pain and back pain. Well, how do they do that? Well, you know, and he had the typical, well, they, they cracked their spine. And that's what he was thinking. Like, this is a smart, educated guy, but right. never educated in that understanding of the human body. So I don't blame anybody for that. He had a great education as a cardiologist, was very, very well respected in his field, but he didn't even understand the basic of function. When I said to him, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. I said, if you think back to med school, what do you remember your professors telling you was the most important system in the human body? And if you ask that question, and he knew the answer, if you ask that question to the general public, you know, if you think back to high school biology class, what do you remember your teacher telling you is the most important system in the human body? Most people say the heart because we've done a good job in getting people to understand that heart health is important and it is important, but what is it that governs the heart, right? It's the nervous system. Right. So the most important system in the human body, don't get me wrong, all systems are important. They all have their jobs, right? Because without one, we die anyway. But the, but the master system, maybe a better way to put it, the master system is the nervous system. It controls everything else. And I had that long conversation with him. And he was like, you know, Jill, I guess it's possible that that's why you're getting well. I said, well, doc, I've changed nothing else. From my last visit with you in April to now my visit in August, nothing has changed. Yes, I, yes I'm no longer adjusting people. But what have I changed to help me? I started getting adjusted every day. And I can tell you that um, it took a year for my pulmonary pressure to balance and become normal. Two years later, Scott, while at my first, uh, my, my first uh, year in Dallas, I went for a test at the Cooper Institute to discover that I no longer had cardiomegaly. Wow. So the pressure, the back pressure that was causing my symptoms of difficulty breathing was eliminated. 
the, my pulmonary pressure normalized. When my pulmonary pressure normalized, my body with, it, with its innate wisdom says, well, you know, you're not lifting 50 pound weights in each arm anymore, right? You don't, your muscles don't need to be this big. You're not having to work your heart so hard anymore. So your heart doesn't have to be two and a half times its normal size. It shrunk back to its normal size within two years. And the cardiologist at um, the Cooper Institute, I will remember this for the forever, was absolutely brilliant. And I remember, remember her name, her, doctor, her name was Dr. Nina Bradford. She said to me, I've just looked at your chart because you know, you've probably been to Cooper yourself to do those executive physicals. They last all day long. So my last doctor that I saw that day was the cardiologist. So she had received my chart and had reviewed all that information. And when I walked into her office, she looked at me and she looked at the chart. She was like, there's no way this is you. Cause she had read about, I said, yeah, that's me. She said, you're supposed to be dead. I said, but let me tell you, I'm, I'm thriving. So we had a, a nice long conversation. She was just a kind, kind, brilliant woman. And she said, you know, normally we'd be doing this with you, but I'm still afraid about all this. Like to put you on a regular stress test, I don't feel like comfortable. So I'm going to suggest we do X, Y, Z in addition. I was like, okay, whatever it takes. Let's just do it well. Yeah. And I will tell you, she was blown away. She was blown away because on the stress test, you know, they, they, they wheeled in a crash cart. They had like four physicians in there. <laughs> yes, everybody ready. <laughs> yeah, just ready in case I toppled over doing the stress test. And I, um, I scored in the top 95 percentiles for males over 35. Wow. I was 51. And three years later, I was diagnosed with a terminal condition and said I'd be dead before I was 50. Today, we're now 2022. I turned 67 uh, just last, last week, two weeks ago, last week, no, last week. I turned 67. Um, when I moved to Atlanta in 2013, I started competing in 5K races. Of course, when I lived in Dallas, I was already back to running. Sure. But I have competed in probably last eight years, probably 50 plus 5K races. I typically place in the top two or three in my age category. I am healthy. I am fit. I've got a, an amazing position as the vice president of university advancement and enrollment here at Life University. So my body has completely healed. And guess what? I have a regular chiropractor, the <laughs> same person that checks me every two weeks. Because since that day, that's what I did. I had my regular chiropractor, a good friend of yours and mine, in, in Dallas, Dr. Francis Murphy was my chiropractor the years that I lived in, in Dallas. And of course, when I moved from Dallas to Atlanta, I found myself another great chiropractor in Dr. Michael Longyear, who uh, you might know because he was a graduate of the university in Dallas. That's where I met him as a student. Well, that's who my chiropractor is today. And um, I'm well, so I, I get to live to talk about it. And I'll tell you, I've seen my three kids graduate from college. I saw my three kids get married. Um, five grandbabies born, one more to be born in August. And I've got to enjoy all the fruit of that labor and of that discovery that made me, what, a better chiropractor? Absolutely. Even though I no longer practice, I'm still a better chiropractor because I had an experience that tested everything I had been teaching my community for 25 years was tested right at the top. Absolutely. When I was put on death's row. 
Well, I think it's, I think that's one of the things that we're really working to do with this show is to share stories, either the untold story or the undertold story of, of just letting people know for consideration, right? Uh, I was the same way. I was, um, you know, I was the chiropractic antichrist. I mean, I, my, through my sister's um, issues with her back uh, and being an RN, she had suggested never let anybody touch your back. She didn't say to me that it was medical doctors that created her issue, but uh, it, it was just don't let anybody touch your back. And until I went and found out for myself, you know, you, you get to the point of, okay, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired or whatever it is, or yours was a death sentence, really, literally. And you go now and you open up your mind and you recognize the wonders. And the, to me, it, the common sense of the only thing that heals the body is the power that built the body. And, and if, if you can suspend disbelief for just a few minutes and, and go get checked and and go get adjusted and you i know so many people now and of course you do you've had years and years of it far more than i do of people that have had great success in coming back from so many different things and of course uh the press and ama and everybody is so against the the word healed you know or cured uh you know and they're so up at arms but how about significant progress can we can we say say being alive is significant progress for you yeah absolutely it's significant <laughs> progress and you know some people say well that we, some people said you know you know that's a miracle you know god healed you and i said well you know we could think that way because i'm a believer i said you could think that way or you could say that god led me down a path i had the awakening that morning on the 14th of april that oh my gosh there is a tool there is a tool to restore your body's electrical power so that the power that made the body travels through your body the way it's designed to travel. And I said, so instead of saying that my healing was a miracle, let's, let's just recognize that every human being is the miracle. Absolutely. So my body is a miracle. Your body is a miracle. Everybody listening, your body is a miracle. It is exactly how God created you to be self-developing, self-maintaining, self-healing. Nobody had to tell the sperm cell to find the ovum. It found the ovum. And when the two struck, and the sperm entered the oven, there was a spark of an electrical spark. We know it's measured. They can see it. They can measure it. They can videograph it, right? So there's a spark. There's an energy that occurs, poof, when the sperm enters the egg. And then cells start to divide. And 40 weeks later, there's a human body. What many people don't understand, and you'd have to go to an embryology book to look at that, is that the first group of cells to start appearing like a human body is what's called the neural streak. The neural streak is basically the beginning of the brain and the spinal cord. Wow. And then what grows off the spinal cord are what we refer to as neural buds. So just like a tree, you get a bud. Well, guess what? One of those buds becomes the cardiovascular system. One of those buds becomes the digestive system. One becomes a genital urinary system. One becomes a reproductive system. So all of your systems actually embryologically, this is not Jill the chiropractor talking. The embryology book will show you that all of those systems actually grow off the spinal cord. So there is a direct relationship between brain 
spinal cord, the rest of the nervous system, to every single organ in your body, every tissue, every cell. And for them to function at their optimum, there must be optimum communication from brain to body and body back to the brain in a cycle, what we call afferent and efferent. Information's got a cycle. That's how the human body works. That's how the animal's body works, but the vertebrates, right? We're not talking about fish here, but the vertebrates, it works, right. they work exactly that way. That's why some people get, what? Some people get their horses checked by an equine chiropractor. Some people get their dogs checked yep. by a chiropractor that takes care of animals. Why? Because they function very similar to how we function. And I taught that for 25 years. Yeah. And then I failed myself. Like I said, no fault of anybody else, but mine. I did not take personal responsibility. And what you are teaching your viewers is the ability to take personal responsibility when you have the knowledge, you can. Exactly. I mean, knowledge gives you confidence. Confidence gives you the opportunity to, to make decisions and, and do right things for you. If you're not feeling the way you believe you should, check it out. Again, it's not a matter of uh, um, trying to do anything other than to inform you there may be something else that can be of benefit to you so you can live a great life experience. That's what it's really all about, is living your life fully, being able to be fully functional. And uh, that's why stories like this uh, are so important to get to people so that they, um, you know, they, they have the, the knowledge for consideration. Absolutely. You don't, don't believe anybody. Go check it out for yourself, right? And, and doctor, heal thyself, you know, take care of you too. Uh, exactly. Oh, yeah. I, I'll tell you, I learned that lesson. And as I said, I've been under regular care ever since. And How I'll tell you, you I, at 67, I'm healthier than I was at 47. No, I think, that part. yeah, that part's, that part's cool as well. And uh, working on some of that myself right now. So uh, totally appreciate that. Thank you for being here. And thank you for sharing your story. I mean, truly inspirational. And uh, uh, if people want to get a hold of you or learn more about life, how do they do that? Uh, to learn more about Life University, it's uh, pretty simple. Life.edu is our URL for this uh, gorgeous campus, 110 acres. Uh, Life University is known for you know being the largest single campus chiropractic college in the world, but we have 21 degree programs total at Life, including nutrition, sports health science, positive psychology, uh, you know, uh, an IT, an IT, a business a business administration degree, uh, culinary nutrition. So it's a beautiful, small private university in Marietta, Georgia on 110 gorgeous uh, acres. Um, me, I mean, you can always find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find me, um, I mean, I'm willing to give my email address if you have a, a concern or a question, because I can tell you, I've had these conversations in the past and people from around the globe have actually reached out to me and said, I have been diagnosed with primary pulmonary hypertension. What can I do? So my uh, email address, my, my Gmail address is drg lamar so d-r-g-l-a-m-a-r-c-h-e at gmail.com awesome thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and and sharing some great wisdom with everybody and thank you all for being here at, with champions of inspiration we'll see you again exact same time next event god bless thanks scott